Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, bless everybody. I'm your host of OPP, Corey Cambridge. And before we get started with this amazing episode, I want to tell you about my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants is a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. Ever wondered who made the MTV logo? Did you know the person who wrote Earth, Wind & Fire's hit song September? Also wrote the theme song for the hit 90s TV show Friends? On Silent Giants, we learn more about these amazing people and dig deep to learn more about their most famous works. Be sure to check out Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest of OPP. Hey, my name is Lori Santos. I'm a professor of psychology at Yale University and host of The Happiness Lab. And this is OPP. God bless everybody and welcome back to another episode of OPP. America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Yale University psychology professor, Dr. Lori Santos, host of the amazing podcast, The Happiness Lab. Based on the psychology course she teaches at Yale, Lori will take you through the latest scientific research and share some surprising and inspiring stories that will change the way you think about happiness. In this interview, I get to vibe with Dr. Santos about her love for 90s hip-hop. We chat about her happiest memories from childhood. She explains why she started her course, Psychology and the Good Life. We get her podcaster's picks. And of course, we chat about her dope show, The Happiness Lab. So, on to our exclusive interview with Dr. Lori Santos. Yo, what's going on? How you doing? Professor Santos. I'm good. I'm good. I just want to make sure that like the actual OPP will be running under this to get some throwback when we do this. No. Are are you a hip hop fan? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And that and that genre of hip hop, like basically from like 1992 to like 1998. All right, hold on. So take me back. What were you like growing up on hip hop wise? Oh, well, I I started I jumped into like Public Enemy, Fear of a Black Planet, like late 80s. And then, you know, it got, you know, it had that little R&B infusion. It got a little lame, you know, so like Montel Jordan, like, you know, but, but I think the Naughty by Nature was definitely up there. So uh, who, who today are you vibing with musically? You know, it's sad. I, I hang out with all these college students because I'm a professor and they're constantly like giving me their modern day music. And I'm like, oh, that's great. But, you know, have you heard like I try to give them, you know, a little black sheep, a little, <laughs> and they're like, no, Drake or no, you know, all these people I don't even know, honestly. But we, we can we can come to an agreement on Drake. I think that's good. That's good stuff. Wait, so you're, you're from the Massachusetts area. Were you into uh, a House of Pain? Yeah, a little bit. I, actually, I have a funny House of Pain story. So in, in high school, I had this really terrible car you know it was like super beat up and it had a tape deck but the tape deck was broken and there was a house of pain tape stuck in the tape deck when I got the car so basically my choice was to either listen to house of pain the original house of pain album or the radio and so I listened to a <laughs> lot a lot of house of pain um yeah a lot a lot of house of pain 
Yeah, Boston's contributed. Uh, one of the greatest con- contributions to hip hop was House of Pain. <laughs> it's true, and Marky Mark. <laughs> but we're not gonna we're not gonna go there. <laughs> and new, and new edition. New edition. That's true. They they're yeah, they're a saving grace. We we can respect that. Wait wait. Because also too. Uh, wait, new edition and New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block. Yeah, we won't. Belle Boob DeVoe. We'll go with Belle Boob DeVoe. Some poison. Right. Yeah, but, but we've got some contributions there. That's true. That's true. What was it like growing up in the uh, Massachusetts area? I loved it. I mean, I had lots of friends and I kind of really enjoyed it. You know, I actually think the 90s are a great time to grow up. I look at these students today and what life looks like when you're in, you know, the midst of call-out culture and there's cell phones and social media. You know, I think back to my time, you know, happily and nostalgically. Yeah, you know what? I, I, one of the questions that I have here and you're kind of segueing into it is, you know, what is what was your favorite happiest memory from growing up in childhood? Oh, that's really interesting. I haven't actually I've asked a lot of questions about happiness, but I haven't been asked that one before. I mean, honestly, I think some of my happiest memories, uh, there's a nice beach down the street from where my mom lives. And it was like kind of going out there and just sort of walking around. It was like a really rocky beach, like walking around on the rocks and just sort of thinking. I feel like that was like my happy place back in high school. What about it made it so so joyful and such a memorable experience for you? Yeah, I think it was just like a time that I reflect on being present, right? You know, we're so often not present, especially I think towards the end of high school when there's so much stuff going on and worries about college and stuff. That was just a time when I would just think. I don't remember what I thought about, but it definitely was just a time when I could be present and just sort of think. How has happiness changed for you over time? Yeah, well, part of it for me, I think, is getting older. But part of it for me also has been, you know, as in my scientist head, kind of learning about the research and what the research really shows. And one of the things we talk about on the Happiness Lab podcast is this idea that our minds lie to us about what makes us happy. I think when we're young, we have these certain notions of the kinds of life that we would like to lead, the kinds of things that would want to make us happy. So, you know, we want to be rich. We want to have the perfect job. We want to have the perfect partner. We want to live in this big house. Like we put certain circumstances up there. Like these are the kinds of things that will make us happy. But in practice, now that I know the research, I know those things don't necessarily make for a happy life. Um, The problem is that those intuitions don't change. Like we still think those things really matter, but they kind of don't matter as much as we think. And so the research has really helped me get a sense of, you know, sometimes we're pushing ourselves towards these other things. You know, I have to say yes, yes, yes to every opportunity or I have to, you know, any opportunity to make more money, I have to sign on to that. And now I'm realizing, you know, those things don't matter as much. What matters is being present. What matters is having some time. What matters is having some a space to kind of, you know, be with your friends and sort of really feel like you're connecting with other people. Those are the things that start to matter for me more. So I'm not sure if it was just that I was getting older or like I had a glimpse into some of this research. So I was like, wait, I think, you know, I, I felt like I was doing it wrong. Because uh, what career path did you think uh, were you pursuing uh, growing up as a child that you thought would make you happy? Yeah, I think I had no idea. I think, you know, like many girls growing up, like I wanted to work with like dolphins or something. Like, I think I was like, I want to be a dolphin trainer. I don't know. Um, it would not necessarily be a happy career path, perhaps. But um, yeah, so then I, you know, when I was applying to college, I thought maybe I would want to be a lawyer, which I totally wouldn't want to be a lawyer. Lawyers are actually, as a field, lawyers are pretty unhappy, in fact, which is kind of interesting. Um, but then when I got to college, I started realizing that psychology was really cool. I took my first psychology class. And just this puzzle where, you know, there's so so much of the way we think doesn't make any sense. You know, we're so irrational. Um, it just kind of stuck. And I was like, I really want to study this stuff. Uh, you attended Harvard, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. How was your college experience? I loved it. And, it, you know, it's one of the reasons I get so sad, you know, seeing the levels of mental health dysfunction we see on campuses today. Like, I remember my college time as being awesome. Like, especially as a kind of girl from New Bedford, I, you know, was exposed to so many new things at Harvard, so many different kinds of people. There just felt like there were so many opportunities. Like, I remember it really happily, you know, which is one of the reasons it's so sad to see these days, you know, so many college students are feeling 
you know, so depressed, so stressed, so anxious. Like, you know, I remember that a little bit, you know, because it's college and there's stuff to do, but, you know, just not in the same way as, as students report today. Uh, how did you fall in love with psychology? I mean, psychology, it's hard to explain because it's like so obviously true that psychology is awesome, right? I mean, psychology just makes up all the way we think about the world, how we make decisions, like how we attend to things, you know, everything we get wrong about the world is in some sense a psychological question. It's also, you know, the field that's going to help us understand, you know, how to make a better podcast with a good story or how to solve climate change, you know, how do we get people to behave differently so we can save the planet, right? It's ultimately the interesting solution uh, it's kind of the answer to the puzzle in so many different domains. Uh, so it was just kind of fun. Did you always want to be a professor? I think at the t in college, you know, this is like now we're, you know, fast forwarding. We talked about music before. We're sort of fast forwarding through the 90s, right? You know, now we're at the end of the 90s and we're kind of in the dot-com boom period. I think people weren't, people just assumed everything would work out then. You know, it was before the kind of job crisis and before the financial collapse. I think you know, no one in college when I was there was really thinking about what they wanted to do next. They were just kind of enjoying what they were doing in college. And in college, I was doing, you know, psychology research. I really liked it. I really liked my classes. Then it did really kind of come to senior year and I was like, wait a minute, what am I like, what am I going to do now? And my decision was just to keep going with what I was enjoying. Like I was like, well, I'll stay in school to keep doing more psychology stuff. I went on to do my PhD, but it wasn't really thinking about becoming a professor. It was just like, that was what was fun at the time. So I kind of kept doing it. And then, you know, once I did more graduate work, I realized, you know, my only my only marketable skill was to be a professor or that kind of made sense. And so that was kind of the path that brought me to being a professor. Uh, how'd you end up at Yale? A kind of right place at the right time. I think, you know, Yale was looking for somebody who was doing the kind of work I was doing. At the time, I was studying kind of animals and looking at animal behavior. Um, I think they were looking for somebody to do that work. And I went out and gave a talk and kind of made sense. And the rest is history. But it was, you know, an incredible fortune. You know, Yale's been a great place. I have such amazing colleagues here. Uh, so it was very lucky. You know, I look at people who are kind of on the faculty job market today, and it's much scarier. I just look back with such gratitude that my situation worked out so seamlessly. Yeah, because you, you created this course uh, called the, the Psychology and the Good Life, and it really caught on. Uh, what was the origin story of creating that course? Yeah, so I'd been a professor at Yale for a while at this point when I started to think about the course. Um, but I took on a new role here. I took on a role as one of Yale's heads of college. So Yale's kind of one of these strange schools like, you know, at Hogwarts and Harry Potter where there's like Gryffindor and Slytherin. There's like these schools within a school. Um, and so I'm head of what's called Silliman College, which is one of the kind of colleges slash dorms within Yale. And that means I live on campus with students. They have these faculty who live with students. And I, you know, hang out with students in the dining hall. I hang out with them, you know, in the coffee shop. And, and that was when I first started to see what college life was really like right now. You know, so different from the days of the 90s. You know, you just have, you know, the, the national rates of mental health dysfunction in college students are just crazy right now. Um, you see over 40% of college students now report being too depressed to function. Over 60% say that they feel overwhelmingly anxious. Um, more than 10% say they considered suicide in the last year. Like these numbers are just staggering. And so as I started to see it firsthand and learn more and more about this crisis, I was like, I have to do something about this. And, you know, since I'm a professor and I teach psychology, I said, well, the way I can do something about this is I can develop a class on this. I'll teach students all their research about what you can do better and, and how you can really improve your well-being. 
And so I kind of put it together as a class. You know, I didn't expect it to go viral or anything. I thought, you know, 20 or 30 students would take it because it was like a new class in psychology. Um, But I think, you know, students really vote with their feet and they decided, you know, they didn't want to live in this culture of feeling so stressed and overwhelmed. And uh, over a thousand students showed up the first day uh, to the point that we had to teach the class in a concert hall. Um, So just under one out of every four students decided to take this class the first time it was offered. When was the the light bulb moment for you when you realized that, wow, this this course is really catching on way more than I ever thought that it, it would? Yeah, well, it's funny. So at Yale, Yale has this funny system where they don't like students to register for classes ahead of time. They want them to kind of explore, like they call it like course exploration period. Um, so, so we don't get a number ahead of time of how many students are going to show up. But they have this little online tool. It's kind of a graph where you can watch how many students are putting their course in their little online folder and things. And, you know, I'm watching and, you know, most people's graphs go from zero students to 100 students. But mine started by going from zero students to 1,000 students. And I was like, wait a minute, like, like, what's wrong with my graph? And, you know, you could just see kind of over time, you know, more and more students were signing up. And then the students started to notice it was going viral. So they were watching this little online tool, too. And I had some of my students in my college texting me when it was like, you know, 990. They're like, it's going to pass a thousand. And like students were watching <laughs> to try to see. So I think, you know, that that was like, you know, just in terms of recognition, like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, something different is happening here. But it was really when I saw how students resonated with the class that it, it kind of started to make sense. Like, I think, you know, they want to do something about feeling so yucky. You know, they don't like this culture of feeling so stressed and overwhelmed. And I think they really wanted to take the class to learn something about what they could do to feel better. Uh, What in your day uh, makes you happy? What little small, simple thing uh, enhances your day? Oh, there's so many things. I think, you know, when I like, honestly, like if I'm if I'm keeping to my morning exercise regimen, you know, that makes me happy. It's not what I think when I wake up in the morning, I usually work out in the mornings. But like, if I can actually get on the elliptical or get on the yoga mat, I just or take a hike or something, I feel so, so much better. Um, Another thing that just makes me happy during my day is like, you know, the little tidbits of time I get to spend with people I care about. So you know, my husband, some of the students I love so much, you know, many of my staff members here. It's those like, you know, little three minutes in between other things that like that feel really good. Um, and you can forget that. Yeah, you're you're obviously very, very busy now. <laughs> you're, you're, you're always on the move. How has the transition been from being, you know, a professor to being a really popular and famous professor? Yeah, the it's, transition a little, been? it's a little surreal. I'll be honest, you know, uh, the, the class went viral on campus, you know, so that I had thousands of students who knew who I was, you know, I kind of became this well-known person on campus, which was kind of weird. Um, then the class generated all this press, right? You know, so now I'm on, you know, daytime talk shows and talking about the class. And uh, and so there's lots of demands on my time from, you know, interviews like this to requests for talk and all that stuff. Um, the nice thing about all that kind of blowing up while you're teaching the happiness class is that you have to stay true to what you're teaching. You know, one of the things I teach my students is the importance of what's called time affluence, this idea that you just have, you're wealthy in time, right? You're not just sort of time strapped and time famished all the time. And so that's kind of given me pause with the kinds of things I, you know, agree to do. You know, I end up saying no to a lot of stuff that sounds cool and a lot of stuff that's important in order to protect my time uh, more than I probably would have, you know, if I wasn't teaching the class on this stuff. Professor Santos, we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get to your podcast, The Happiness Lab. Thanks so much. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Professor Santos, uh, how did you first discover the medium of podcasting? Well, you know, as I taught this live version of the class online, you know, there was a lot of momentum at the end of the semester. You know, these thousand students kind of wanted more. Um, and there was so much press about the class that I had lots of people literally from around the world saying, like, can we have this content? Like, how can we do it? And so our first step was to, to put a version of the class online for free. Um, Yale put it up on Coursera.org where, you know, any of your listeners can take it. It's a six-week version of the class that you can take for free. Um, and a lot of people have taken it. You know, it's been, it's been taken by 100,000, more than 400,000 learners, which is crazy. Um, but even then, you know, I got lots of emails from people being like, okay, I'm stressed and overwhelmed. I cannot take a whole Ivy League class. Like you need to come up with another way to share this, uh, to share this material. And so the podcast idea came around uh, for a couple of reasons. One is it just seemed like the perfect medium to to kind of talk about this content because it's you know it's short, it's kind of bite sized. You know, people can get like you know in a half hour like a good lesson that's going to really help them. Um, the second reason is that you know these these ha- thinking about happiness, what you realize is that. You want to learn from other people. You know, you want to learn from people who are doing it right. And I think one great thing about podcasts is that you can hear from people directly, right? People can share their stories as part of a podcast medium. And I thought that would be really great. We can kind of share this narrative content um, and people can listen to it that way. Uh, The third reason was just I had the opportunity to work with one of my really good friends from grad school, uh, my current co-writer and producer, Ryan Dilley, um, he was going to sign on at Pushkin, this podcast company, to work with me on it. And he would be like, Mainly, most of his job would be kind of working on this podcast. So I got to work together with this good friend of mine, you know, which was going to be fun, but also embodied all these principles that I talk about in the class, like social connection and making time for friends and so on. So it kind of just all came together. Um, The dirty secret, though, and I think we'll get to this in your episode, is that even though I signed on to do this podcast, I actually hadn't listened to many podcasts before. Like I was like kind of a podcast noob. And so it took a kind of, it was like a little bit of a crash course in like, what is podcasts? And like, how do you do this well? And what are different styles? And so, and I'm, I'm kind of still learning. I'm, I definitely consider myself a total noob when it comes to podcasts. Yeah. What were some of the first podcasts that you listened to uh, that kind of got your feet wet and what podcasting is? Well, I started even before I was thinking about this class, um, listening to a podcast called Very Bad Wizards. Um, it's a it's kind of a, it's a podcast uh, about kind of philosophy and human nature. It's run by this uh, philosopher Tamler Summers and a, a friend of mine, a psychologist Dave Pizarro, and. It's funny, you'd think like a podcast by just two academics talking to each other wouldn't get that much of a listenership on like kind of really esoteric topics, but they're so irreverent and offensive at times and funny that it gets tons of listeners. And so I started listening to that podcast in part because they invited me to be on it and tons of my colleagues like uh, the behavioral economist Dan Ariely and the psychologist Paul Bloom, who's also at Yale, they've been on it too. Um, and that was kind of at first what I thought podcasts were. I thought they were like, you know, two people over Skype talking to each other, kind of like what we're doing. And it was like, <laughs> that was podcasting. Um, and their podcasts were super fun. Um, I mean, they, they, yeah, they have all kinds of great episodes, but, but that's what I kind of thought podcasts were. I wasn't really exposed to much beyond that. Um, 
when I signed up to do my own podcast, especially with Pushkin, you know, and talked to my co-writer, it was like, you know, yeah, your podcast is not going to be as easy as that. It's not going to be you Skype with somebody and then you're done. We're going to, you know, script it and have a narrative and so on. Um, and that was when I started listening to more of the Pushkin podcast. So I kind of dug into revisionist history, um, which is Malcolm Gladwell's podcast with Pushkin. Um, and, you know, that one I kind of started le- listening to in part because I was like, well, I-, I have to make episodes that sound like this. And honestly, that was a little intimidating when I first started listening to them because, you know, Malcolm's amazing. He's such a good storyteller and he has, you know, so much, so, so many of his episodes like dig into this really interesting content and they kind of find these interesting stories. And so, um, so at first I was like, I, I don't know if I can do this, but, but then, you know, as I thought more about kind of the content we wanted to, to give listeners access to and realize, you know, there were these kind of cool stories and there were these cool story arcs. So it was kind of fun to kind of draw the lines but but that was you know those two were kind of my podcast entry points and they're still sort of two of the podcasts I listen to a lot yeah uh tell me for folks who are not aware of the happiness lab give us our give us the elevator pitch of what the show is about yeah so the happiness lab is about all the ways your mind lies to you about what makes you happy and what you can do to deal with those lies and improve your well-being um, so each t- episode kind of takes us through a different lie of the mind um, from things like how much choice do we want in the world to whether we should be taking photos of events to feel happier to, you know, whether we should be engaging in more social connection than we engage with. You know, should you talk to the barista at the coffee shop? Um, each case is one where I think oftentimes we have pretty strong intuitions about what we should be doing, but we kind of talk to people who do it differently and seem to Im- improve their happiness. And then we sort of dig into the science, which, you know, nerdy me, I love this part where you really see the scientific data and you're like, actually, if you look at what science really shows, it's the opposite. And so then we talk about, you know, how can you build up these habits to do a little bit better? Um, And so what we've loved about the podcast so far is that people seem to really resonate with it. You know, so many of the comments online are that, you know, that people really learn something. They're putting these tips into practice. You know, people over Twitter send me these little, you know, like kind of journal, like with lots of color and font, like, you know, here's my tips from this one episode. And I'm like, this is fantastic because it's not just a podcast that's fun for people to listen to. I think it's like, you know, like most podcasts, it has cool stories and so on. But people really learn something about what they can do to improve their lives and make them better. Uh, what have you learned personally from this podcast that you didn't know before about happiness? I mean, so much. I think one of the things I I learned, which is sort of humbling, is like, even though I'm the host of the podcast and I know all the science, I still need lots of help to improve my own well-being. Um, you know, one of my favorite examples was we we did a whole episode on uh, the plight of silver medalists in the Olympics. So it turns out silver medalists are really unhappy. And that seems weird. Like, you know, they just want to medal. What's going on? And the problem is that they can't help comparing themselves against the gold medal. And like that comparison is so salient, it makes them miserable. It actually makes them more miserable than bronze medalists who have a different salient comparison, which is like, oh man, if I messed up even a little bit more, I wouldn't even be up here. You know, so they're kind of bronze medalists are really happy. Silver medalists are really reasonable. Uh, Silver medalists are really miserable. And so, you know, we just finished that episode and this was when the Happiness Lab was sort of climbing in the charts and we're kind of watching it go up on Chartable and stuff. And, you know, it got pretty high. I was thinking it was like number seven or number eight. And like, I was like, why is it not like, what's, why is it not number one? You know, like stupid Joe Rogan, like what's, what's happening? Like, why can't I beat these stupid true crime things? And, and it was my, it was my producer, Ryan, who pointed out, he's like, you know, the episode that you just put out, it's about that. Like, you know, bronze lining, like look to the bronze medalist. And I was like, 
oh, you know, and so it's like, <laughs> even, even me, you know, who's doing these podcasts, you know, still struggle with some of these things. And I think, you know, that's why it's so important to know about the science and to get these ideas out there is to kind of remind yourself, but also to teach other people so they can help you, you know, remember like, hey, you know, I know your intuition is to do it that way. But remember, that intuition is wrong. We got to do things differently. And what do you want the listener to walk away with uh, after tuning into your podcast? Yeah, I think I think two things. One is I think that I want them to walk away knowing the science a little bit better, you know, because, again, our, our, our minds lie to us. Our intuitions are wrong. But I think I also want them to walk away with really practical tips about how to do it, not just like knowing the science. But, you know, tomorrow, how can you put this tip into effect to make your life better? You know, I, I tell folks all the time um, that podcasting is an amazing opportunity to rebrand yourself. Uh, because once you make a, a podcast about a particular topic, you become the voice or the face of that topic. Uh, how has it been for you being the voice uh, of happiness? And probably, I'm, I'm sure you get a million questions a day. You know, what can I do to be happier? Yeah, no, I get you, you should see my inbox. It's like a flurry of kind of interesting stuff. Um, I mean, one thing that's awesome about being the voice on happiness is like when I when I teach people certain things, they learn it and then they they use it. Right. And so one of the things we talk about a lot in the live class and we have a whole couple episodes coming up in the next season about is this idea of gratitude. So grateful people are just much happier and expressing gratitude can really make you happier, too. And, uh, you know, I spontaneously get lots of expressions of gratitude from the listeners like, you know, thank you for putting this class online or thank you for sharing this podcast. And, you know, as the science suggests, that feels pretty nice, you know. So when you teach people about all these positive things, they they use them with you. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of selfishly <laughs> kind of feels nice. Um, I think the other thing is that I think, you know, people I've been surprised at how much people resonate with this idea that, you know, even though I'm the host of the show and the professor that's teaching this stuff like I'm not perfect like I'm messed up too and, and that's sort of part of the message is like all of us have the wrong intuitions and and that kind of seems to people seem to really resonate with that which I wasn't expecting and so that's sort of been nice about being the host is to you know secretly I'm kind of like feeling bad about some of these things but people are like no that makes me realize you're human and you're relatable and it makes the podcast more fun so that's that part's been kind of cool too you know what does it feel like to have this course that you started at Yale that you thought you know, a couple hundred kids would attend. And now it's being you know, broadcasted all across the world and it's being so well received. How does that feel for you? No, I mean, it, it just feels amazing. I mean, especially when you think, you know, even more so than teaching the class, you know, this has been a really creative enterprise for me making the podcast. You know, we're thinking about the narrative structure and how to tell these stories. And it's taken a tremendous amount of work. But to feel like that work is helping people and people are listening to it and resonating with it. Um, you know, unlike, you know, putting out a lecture or a book or something, you know, the, as you know, the great thing about podcasts or maybe the, the curse and the best thing about podcasts is that you get some information about your listeners. You know, tomorrow you can look and be like 100,000 people listen to this. And, and that feels amazing. You know, this idea that we can, you know, reach hundreds of thousands of people within 24 hours and teach them something that's going to help them. I mean, that's such a gift. You know, this technology gives us a gift that no other generation has had. And so, yeah, it's humbling. And I just try to be really grateful that, that I, I have this wonderful opportunity to do that. Professor Santos, we are at a part of our show called Our Podcasters Picks. And this is when I asked today's special guest to give me their top three favorite podcasts that we should be listening to and describe them to the audience. So, Professor Santos, take it away. 
you know, as I said, the two, you know, the two podcasts that got me started in podcasts, you know, I'll still make a case for them being fantastic. You know, the first, this one, Very Bad Wizards, you know, a philosopher and a psychologist talking about everything crazy. Um, you know, one of my favorite episodes of Very Bad Wizards, I mean, I have a couple of favorite episodes. One is um, they talked to uh, another colleague of mine, uh, Jesse Baring, who has a book about like sexual behavior and perversion. And, you know, they just go through all these amazing stories of, you know, people who have sex with bookcases and, you know, like just like, you know, where does this come from? What's the psychology of it? What's the ethics of it? You know, it's it's kind of big picture stuff, but also like kind of scandalous stuff. And that combination can be really fun. Um, they also have another one with my colleague, uh, Paul Bloom, um, that's, I think, supposed to be about dehumanization and how we, you know, think about people who are different than us. But it kind of winds up in this territory of fighting about whether or not you should agree to go through the Star Trek transporter and like whether that destroys you and whether you're still there. And uh, my colleague Paul Bloom has some very strong views about it, which end up being really funny. So th the reason I love the podcast is it's, you know, it's rich things in academic philosophy and moral philosophy that, you know, the academics that institutions like Yale are fighting about. But it's done in this completely irreverent way that is like fun and scandalous. Um, I think one of the commenters said something like, it's the best thing on the Internet other than Pornhub. And like you wouldn't think that would be the comment for like an academic podcast. So, yeah. So check out Very Bad Wizards. Um, the other one that I say I'll listen, I'm listening to a bunch now um, is a, a totally different kind of podcast um, from Gimlet called Reply All. Again, I think, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm like, the, you know, I'm like the last converter for this. This is not um, kind of impressing anyone of my like, you know, esoteric podcast preferences. But no, Reply All is fantastic. You know, as a psychologist, I, I'm really curious about stories. And I like watching kind of people kind of go down a path to sort of find something interesting. And, you know, the host PJ Vogt and, uh, and Alex Goldman, like they do such a good job doing that. Like, and it's like the most esoteric stuff from the internet. I think it's supposed to be the, the the pitch is that it's a podcast about the internet, but it's about so much more. Like they, you know, they one recent episode was um, about the tweet. Uh, um, uh, there was a uh, one of the school shootings, and somebody was tweeting about you know why would you need assault rifles? And some random person tweeted that like well you might need assault rifles to fight you know feral hogs when they attack your children. And they were like, wait, let's not make fun of this guy. Like, who is this? And they kind of drill down and they meet this guy and he has this amazing story. And so, um, yeah, so Reply All is just is just fantastic and fun. Um, the last one is one I just started listening to, um, actually, upon the recommendation of PJ Vogt, who I just met from Reply All, because I, I, I was actually saying I was going on your show. I was like, and I don't listen to any cool podcasts. Like, who are the cool podcasts? And, and PJ was like, check out Heavyweight. Like, given what you like, check out Heavyweight. Um, and so that's fantastic, you know, in part because it's these stories of people who you know, like, like they want to kind of figure out like what went wrong, like what was the moment that everything went wrong and kind of go through it. Um, I was actually just the other day I was listening to one. Um, I think the episode's name is Gregor, but it's about this guy who uh, he gave some CDs to Moby and like then Moby used all this like all the stuff in the CD to create his like famous album play and Moby apparently won't give the CDs back. So they go on this like road trip to kind of yell at Moby and get the CDs back. It's just kind of crazy, but. Um, so those like with with the caveat that I'm a noob and I know nothing about the cool podcasts out there. Those are the ones I'm listening to these days. Awesome. Awesome. I dig them all. I dig them. Okay. And uh, Lori Santos, before we get out of here, why do you podcast? Why do I podcast? Yeah. Um, because, well, for a couple reasons. One is to help people um, because it's super fun and I learn a lot. Well, Professor Santos, thank you so much for being a guest on OPP. I'm a big fan of the Happiness Lab. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks so much for having me. 
Pod Bless. We're out. Thank you all so much for checking out another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Dr. Lori Santos. Stay tuned to the very end of this episode to listen to the official trailer for The Happiness Lab. You can find The Happiness Lab on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. This episode was mixed by Joshua Coleman. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, be sure to leave us a five-star rating in the Apple app and let me know your favorite podcast in the review section. Lastly, before we get out of here, check out my other show, Silent Giants, which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And you can find Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Power bless, everybody. Until next time. Is it possible to teach someone to be happier? to take the latest science and apply it in our lives in a way that has real impact? I'm Dr. Lori Santos. As a professor at Yale, I was getting increasingly worried about the levels of depression and anxiety that I was seeing in my students. So I decided to teach a new class on the science of happiness. It's been a runaway success. It's changed not only my life, but the lives of thousands of people who've taken it. In my new podcast, The Happiness Lab, I want to share all these insights with you. Through conversations with amazing people like figure skating legend Michelle Kwan, Dancing with the Stars champion J.R. Martinez, and musician David Byrne, I'll show you simple but evidence-based tips for improving your own well-being. You'll learn a bunch about the science of the mind, but you'll also learn how you can put that science into practice. Plus, you'll pretty much get an entire Ivy League class for free. Are you ready to feel better? Let me teach you how. Beginning September 17th. The Happiness Lab, brought to you by Pushkin Industries and available wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.